Today, uh, I want to talk to you. The name of this message is A Matter of Words. A Matter of Words. Um, in Genesis 3, 1 through 7, let's just pause real quick. Father, I just thank you for your word. I pray that um, you'd open ears to hear and hearts to receive. And Lord, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, just uh, lead and guide every word that's spoken, that it wouldn't be a matter of opinion. It'll be a matter of your word. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent, serpent was more crafty. Everybody say more crafty. He was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Let's think about that. Did God really say? Does that sound familiar? A lot of that going on these days. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, we may eat the fruit, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, you must not eat of it or touch it or you will die. Now, if you go back to Genesis 2, 16 through 17, it said, And the Lord God commanded him, Adam, You may eat freely from every tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So already, like, unless we're just not given that information, but already Eve is rather misquoting God, saying you must not eat of it, you must not touch it. But God's just saying you must not eat of it, for in the day that that you eat of it, you will surely die. It goes on in verse uh, Genesis 3, verse 4, the serpent continues, you will not surely die, the serpent told her. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now he's interjecting a good bit there, because... When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, so they sewed together fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. There's a lot to unpack in this because, one, you've got, it's just a simple act of, obedience that God said you can have whatever you want I mean imagine being in Hawaii and God is like you can eat whatever fruit you want but there's this tree right here let's just simplify it there's this tree right here that is poisonous to you don't eat it how hard is that how hard is that I remember uh, one time I accidentally ate wisteria seeds um it was an accident, and I feel like I was set up, if I'm being honest, because it was at a company we worked for in Nashville, Tennessee, and in the kitchen area, they had put out uh, pumpkin seeds, roasted pumpkin seeds, all week long, and we were all snacking on them. I was, like, I was, eating this, I was tearing those things up. They were so good. I just popped them left and right. Pumpkin seeds. How many like ro- roasted pumpkin seeds? Yeah, so you probably have been guilty of this, too, but... So all week long, roasted pumpkin seeds, everybody's eating them. 
And then I come in one morning, and there's a bowl in the same place as these roasted pumpkin seeds, a big bowl of these big seeds. And there's a sign that says, Wisteria seeds, take as many as you like. Now, I, not being someone who is very familiar with the types of seeds that are edible versus not edible, I just saw seeds in a kitchen area with a sign that says, Wisteria seeds, take as many as you like. So I did. I took one, and it was a big one. They're all they're about this big. I took it. I popped the thing in my mouth. I started chewing. It's like, oh, this is terrible. I was like, I look and I go, that must be a bad one. <laughs> Numero dos. Pop it in my mouth. Second one. Chewing it. Oh, that's equally as bad. Oh, man, this must be an acquired taste is what I thought. <laughs> like, more power to you. I tried it. I'll say I tried it. I mean, I've been to, like, Jamaica. I've been to, like, Mexico. I've been to India. And people put food in front of you. And the, the proper thing to do is don't ask questions. Just bless it and eat it. If it tastes good... That's a bonus. If it tastes bad, at least you got something to eat. So my thought was, okay, I'll, I popped in two, but I was like, two was enough for me. I managed to swallow it, I think. About two hours later, I'm feeling a little, my throat's kind of, feeling a little like it's closing up. My stomach is just like really bad. So I go to the I go to the lady who had put it out, which was Human Resources, <clears throat> and I said, do you know who brought those mysterious seeds? She's like, oh, yeah, I brought those. Did you get some? Yeah, I may have had a few. And she goes, had a few? I was like, yeah. She goes, um, well, there were mysterious seeds. Like, she's like, you take them home, you plant them. They're like a really pretty, really pretty vine. I was like, and they're not edible? She goes, no, they're not edible. And she goes, why, did you eat some? My response, I may have had a few. She caused poison control. And she said there, and she goes, she's like, she's some, um, first she asked, uh, are, po- are wisteria seeds poisonous? And they're like, well, yes, ma'am, they are. They've been known to kill small, ch- uh, small dogs and children. And she said, well, what happens if someone eats one? Well, it depends. How old is the child that ate it? And she goes, she laughs. <laughs> 25. The guy at poison control laughs. <laughs> he should be okay. Just keep an eye on him. Tell him to drink plenty of fluids and maybe eat some bread. It should soak it up, maybe. So I went... I was like, well, I'm going to go home. We live just right down the road. From Me and Jess, we both worked at this company. And I go down. We're, we're going down the road, and uh, we get about a block away. And I had to get out of the car. And it was like the exorcist. It was bad. It was I get home, and then for the next, like, every 10 minutes, just like, ah! screaming at the toilet. It was bad. I learned not to eat wisteria seeds. 
But in my defense, there was a sign that said, Wisteria Seas, take as many as you like. Bingo. Had the sign said, Wisteria Seeds, go home and plant them, but thou shalt not eat them, or in the day, the day that you do, you shall surely die. I think I would have uh, paid attention to that one. But the serpent was more crafty. He's a crafty guy, isn't he? The devil is crafty. If you, if you can say anything about the devil, is that he is crafty, that he is very deceptive. And, and he, I'm going to tell you, the devil probably knows the word of God better than most people, most Christians, if we're, being, if we're going to be honest and transparent. The word, he's been around for a long time. And you need to be aware of this, that as surely as God is good and God is faithful, there, you have a Father who loves you, you have a Savior who has saved you, but you've got an enemy who hates you. And I, I think it's time for the church to stop being so unaware of the devil's schemes. For the past two years especially, I've just watched the church just trip over devil's schemes left and right, and it is... It's rather obnoxious, if I'm being honest, because like, we should know better than this stuff. It's amazing how for years, it's like here at Destiny City, it's like, and I'm really, I'm really, I've been really glad to see some things that have been planted, seeds that have been sown into our congregation. Uh, one is the, the Bait of Satan by John Brevere. How many have ever gone through that? If you haven't, you should. And, or if you already have, I, I encourage you to do it again. Because like... You will be offended. In this world, offense will come. You will be offended. How many have ever been offended? If you're not raising your hand, I'm sorry, I'm about to offend you and tell you that you are a liar. The truth is not in you. You have been offended. If you are living and breathing, someone has offended you on some level, in some, some way. Somebody has said something, and they said it the wrong way, and, or you took it the wrong way. And you were offended. And what I've learned is that if we are quick to confess our faults one to another, God is faithful to forgive us every time. So when we are offended, if we're quick to go ahead and admit, I'm offended, I've learned that. Because here's what the devil comes. He comes to you, and he tells you, you're not offended. How many of you ever been offended? And you say, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. That didn't offend me. I'm better than that. I've learned how to overcome offense. I've gone through the bait of Satan at least six times. If you've been offended, you've, everybody's been offended. Oh, I've been offended. I'll be the first to admit, I've been offended. I may have been offended this morning. I can't, I, I can't even remember. But I've learned this. is like if you will agree with your adversary quickly because the devil comes to you and says, you're offended. And, if you just, and, it, and the quickest response to that is like, you are right. It's about the only time I ever agree with the enemy. Because everything else he comes to me and tells me are lies, but sometimes he comes with the truth. Because he's sneaky like that. Just like here. Did God really say that? He's actually quoting things that God said, but he's just misquoting it. Did God really say that? Did God really say that, that you're going to get offended? Of course you're going to get offended. Yes, I get offended. Why am I talking about offense? Because for the past year or so, I've just seen the church 
trip over a fence. And we have got to forgive. We have got to be about forgiveness. The, the very basic message of the cross is that we are desperately in need of a Savior, and He is a Savior who desperately wants to save you. And He has made a way. And we have debts we could not pay, but Jesus paid it all. And that's the truth of the matter. If anybody comes to you with a different gospel than this, they are liars. If anyone comes to you with a gospel that says like, well, but what about your forefathers? And what about your parents? And what about them? What about things they did? Jesus paid it all. What about the things that you're not even aware of? Jesus paid it all. The gospel message is this, that Jesus paid it all. That means I don't pay anything because the things that I try to pay won't mean anything. This past week in our, our connect group, uh, our, our family connect night, Wednesday night, we were talking about um, this guy who, it was a story they told about this guy who was in a, he was, a, he was in a drunk driving accident. He was the drunk driver, and he killed a girl, a small teenage girl. And so the family sued him for $1.5 million, but then they settled for like $936, a random number, $936 or something like that. But what it added up to was he was going to have to write a check for a dollar a week the rest of his life and write it out in the name of that girl to remind him of what he did every week of his life. And after a few years, he, he, he said, this is torture to me. And so he, he stopped payment and they took him back to court. He said, no, sir, you're going to do this. This is the agreement. And, this, and the story ended where <laughs> It was like now he's countersuing this family for $2 million because of uh, inhumane and cruel and unusual punishment. But I want to tell you, that's what the enemy has been trying to do to the church right now. It's coming to you with a gospel message that says, like, you need to make up for all the sins that you've committed and all the sins that your forefathers committed. And I'm telling you, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And any gospel message that tries to create a different Savior is an antichrist spirit. It's antichrist because it is anti the cross. It's anti what Jesus has done because it says that his, what he did on the cross is not sufficient enough. But I want to tell you today, it was more than sufficient. It covers your sins. Maybe you are of, de- of a descent where your forefathers did things and there, are, there was family curses in your life. But I want to tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for that too. And he broke that curse because he became a curse so that you could be freed from the curse. He has freed us from the curse of the law of sin and death. He has freed us from it. And so now all that remains is love. You owe no debt except this. You owe men love. That's it. Love, love, love. That's what God's called us to do is to love. The serpent was more crafty. 
I want to tell you, do not be surprised when you face a trial or test of your faith. In 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That thought crossed my mind. That verse crossed my mind this morning. I was like, you know, it's interesting. We've been talking about healing for the past few weeks. And then the man who has been preaching on healing for the past few weeks is in need of healing. Do not consider it strange. I'm going to tell you, there's a good chance that we're learning about, I'm talking about forgiveness and bitterness and things like that. Don't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks you got to forgive somebody. But don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, don't, be a, don't let it be something that worries you or causes anxiety. <laughs> but just know the truth. If you know the truth, it will set you free. The truth will set you free. It doesn't matter what you're accused of. You're set free because he has set you free. Whom the son is set free is free indeed. God is not, everybody say not. God is not a liar. Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? This is taken out of Numbers. I was looking in that passage, and it was when Balaam was being put, uh, kind of asked by this wicked king to speak a curse over the nation of Israel. And Balaam, t- he said, I will only do, I will only speak what God tells me to speak. And he sent him out several times, and he kept coming back. And he, the, the king, this wicked king, was not happy because he was actually paying Balaam to do this. And Balaam was just like, you can pay me, but I'm only going to tell you what God tells me to say. And so he kept paying him. He's like, and then every time he come back, it's like, here's what God said. And he would only bless Israel. And then he would begin to say, but your country, you're in trouble. So... This is one of the responses is that God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he not speak? And does, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Today we sang that song, all his promises are yes and amen. Jesus is the living, breathing word of God. He is the word of God. And something that we need to understand about who Jesus was. So the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the very word of God that became flesh. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. For we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessed the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, 
as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Colossians 2, 1 through 10. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Everybody say fine-sounding arguments. How many of us some fine-sounding arguments these days? For although I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Everybody say thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. I looked up that elemental, elemental spiritual forces, and it's really speaking about the, just the, the things that, it, that covered the law, the law of sin and death. And like people trying to, people, the, the enemy really wants to take us back to the law of sin and death because that's legalism right there. That's where he really wants you. He doesn't want you living in freedom. He doesn't want you living no, with an understanding of the grace of God and the power of God to overcome sin. He doesn't want you there. He wants you back there before the cross. He wants you trying to make amends, trying to write off that dollar a week check, coming down to the altar, God, please forgive me. Oh, God, please forgive me. Oh, God, please forgive me. And I'm telling you, you have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. You've been set free. There's nothing else that you can do to make it happen. He did it. He paid it all. 
The enemy is glad to keep a record of all your wrongs. But you need to understand that there's a big stamp that's been right on that record that says paid in full. So when he comes to you and he says, what about this? I agree. I did that. Guilty as charged, but Jesus paid it all. If someone comes to you with deceptive philosophy of men that tries to say, but what about this? I agree. I'm guilty, but Jesus paid it all. Covered. Covered. Jesus paid it all. He covered it. And nothing else comes close to how sufficient his blood is. He was perfect in every way and then was nailed to a cross. It wasn't arbitrary. He was nailed to the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. It wasn't arbitrary. He's not just a man nailed to a cross. He's the Son of God, lifted high. And if I be lifted high, I'll draw a man unto me, is what he says. If he be lifted high, he will draw a man unto him. Nothing else can take that place. You can't take that place. No one else can take that place. Only he has that rightful place because only he was faithful to do what the Father told him to do. No one else has ever done what he did. That's why it was so hard the night before his, his, his crucifixion. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He did it for you. You were the joy set before him, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. And I will, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Because I'm telling you, we're in, a, we're in a day and era right now where accusation flies left and right. And I don't, have to, I don't have to defend myself because Jesus paid it all. Anyone who accuses me of anything, I simply say, you are right. You're right. But Jesus paid it all. He is sufficient for me. Nothing I can do can fix what he's already done. It'll never take the place. It'll fall short every time. If you try to do it, you'll get yourself in a rut. You'll find yourself trying to do it over week by week, writing that dollar a, ch- dollar a week check with whatever sin you committed, writing it out to that. And Jesus doesn't want you doing that. Just throw away the checkbook and just trust him that he is faithful He's faithful to forgive. He's forgiven you so you can forgive others, so that you can receive forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. And anything else is a lie. And he is not a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I want to tell you this. People can be crafty just like the serpent. (laughs) And they could be just as destructively deceptive. Therefore, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, church. 
John 2.24, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. I want to give you this word of advice this morning. Don't entrust yourself to everybody. Be like Jesus. Jesus did not entrust himself to everyone, for he knew all people. I've met people who have an agenda. How many have ever met someone who has an agenda? They're not very pleasant. At least when they're pleasant so long as you do what they want. But when what you do doesn't meet their agenda, they're not so pleasant. And I want to tell you this, forgive them. Love them. But do not entrust yourself to them. Be careful. Guard your heart. Just speak the word. That's the other thing. Just speak the word. We've got to start speaking the word over our life. I think we're speaking so many other words. And they're crafty. And they sound good. And they sound close. They might even have the Bible mixed in. It's that garbage of, you know, what's your truth? I don't want to know your truth. I want to know the truth. I want to know the way, the truth, and the life. That's what I want. I don't want a truth. I don't want your truth. I don't want my truth. I want the truth. You want to live in your truth? Your truth will tell you. Here's some wisteria seeds. Take as many as you like. My truth was, okay, I've been eating pumpkin seeds all week. It only makes sense, and it's just logic that I eat these wisteria seeds. That was my truth. And my truth had me at home throwing up every 10 minutes, violently throwing up every 10 minutes. You want to live by your truth? Go right ahead. Nobody's stopping you. But I'm going to tell you, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Put that in your book, Oprah. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Oprah, listen, this, your truth stuff is nonsense. It's just nonsense. Reject it. Reject that because it's not truth. It's a lie being veiled as the truth. It's crafty and it's deceptive. And it's made to look right. It is made to look good for f- that we could eat this. And it's, and it's supposed to be enjoyable to us. But I'm telling you, it leads to death. And don't buy it. Reject it. Guard your heart. Reject it. Everybody say, reject it. I'm giving you permission today. To reject anything that is not the way, the truth, and the life. You have permission today to reject it. Someone comes to you with something that sounds good. You can be like, oh, that sounds good. But it's a lie. You know what? That sounds really good. But it's false. Well, how do you know it's false? Because this is what God's word says. Well, I don't believe God's word. Well, then this conversation is over. Because I know the truth, and the truth has set me free. And his word has been proven time and time again in my life. How do I know it? Because I've put it to the test, and it has tested me. 
And therefore, I've had to, in response, put his word to the test. I've been in those situations where it looks like the bank account is in the negative, but I'm trusting God for the positive. I've been there, and he came through. I've been there where I've been down on my back, my, and literally my back has been thrown out, and I had people come and just lay hands on me and then see God work a miracle where I could get up. I've put his word to the test, and I'm telling you, it's true. It is the truth. It's not a truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's the truth. It's his truth. It's the only truth. And anything else is a lie. Reject it. Just speak the word over your life. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you've believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So what's the lesson from this? Jesus, you say the word, but now he's given you the authority for you to speak the word. That you speak the word and it will be done. He's given you the authority to speak the word. I'm just so thankful for that. I've seen it come true. I've seen him come through time and time again. His word is true. He's not a liar. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Guard your heart and guard your tongue. If your tongue is out of control, it's time to put, put a bridle on it. It's time to get it under control. I got to do it. I got to do it when things happen in my life that I'm just like, and it makes me want to just give up, quit, feel depressed. I got to stand on God's word. I got to stand on and speak God's word. How often do we speak Another word, and not God's word. It's not something to feel bad about, but it's something to correct. I'm not here to make you feel bad about it. I'm here to tell you, just correct it, just fix it. I've just learned, I've just learned that, you know, in life there are things that when, God, that when you can fix something by simply doing one little thing, it's like the obvious thing to do is to do that. I get frustrated. I do. 
<laughs> I do. When people have a problem and then they want to tell me about that problem and I'm just like, I just want to tell you, just do this one thing and it will fix the problem. Just this one thing. But they don't want to hear that. They want to tell me all about the problem. They want to talk to me about the ins and outs of the problem, why the problem started and why the problem is this way and why it's that way and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm sorry, but just stop. Can we just fix the problem? The other week, we were here one night. I don't know what happened, but there was a urinal that started spraying water all over the bathroom. And I was here with Russ Wilson and his kids, and we were trying to fix it. And this thing, just it's just water going everywhere. And we call Don Garropy. If you've ever met Don Garropy, he loves to talk. Sorry, Don, but it's true. And we're on FaceTime. Now, granted, he was quick to tell us what to do. But I can't tell you, if, if he would have jumped into some kind of, well, how's your day? And how's all kind of stuff? I would have been like, Don, please, just tell me what to do. I'll fix it. And he did that to his benefit. He did it. And we fixed the problem. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, it's, they have, it's like that, that toilet, it's just spraying water. And they got a group of people around them, and they're telling them about what they think caused the problem and why they think this thing is spraying water out. And who offended this toilet? And who's, you know, was it the toilet's fault or was it their parents' fault? You know, who sin caused this problem? That it should spray, thou spray, all over the bathroom. Who sinned? I like that story about the man who was, bl- who was blind and he was healed. And it's like, and they bring him. He was, he was a blind man who was healed by Jesus. And they, they bring him into the courts. And they're like, whose sin was it that, that you were born blind? And they're, and they're starting to have arguments about it, the Pharisees. And he's like, man, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this. I once was blind and now I see. If you're so interested, I don't even know the man, but if you're so interested in him, he's around here somewhere. Why don't you go talk to him and ask him? All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. And that's what Jesus is about. He didn't come up to that man and he did not ask him, son, whose sin is it that caused this problem that you were born blind? But he said, and when Jesus was asked about it, here's the reason. He said he was born blind so that the glory of God could be revealed in him and that he could see. I don't know what cause causes problems sometimes. I just know that God is a fixer, and he loves to fix your problems. If you'll just be obedient to his word, he will fix it. He has given us everything for godly living. It's all in the word of God. So if we will study the Word of God, and if we will do the Word of God, it will fix the issues that we have. It may take time. It may not be immediate. But it will come to pass. You just trust the Word of God. 
I've had God come through immediately, and I've had God come through where the word was spoken, and I believed it, but I didn't see it manifested for years, months, weeks. What? didn't matter. All I know is God came through. He is faithful to his word. Second Corinthians one twenty, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to the to God, ascends to God for His glory. Here's some promises I've held to that that I've spoken over my life personally. In times where I've been down or frustrated or whatever, I've just spoken these word this word over my life. I've gone to these these passages. Psalm 37, 25, I was young and now I'm old. Some of you don't even want to admit that. But you might as well just agree with your adversary. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I've stood on that promise so many times, I can't tell you. And when the bank account seems low, I'm like, God, I know my child will never beg for bread. I know your child, me will never be begging for bread because you are the God of supply. You are the God. You are my, you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Your grace is sufficient. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I am healed. I is healed. Whatever. Well, I, I, what Pastor Don been saying this for a couple weeks? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How many get anxiety? It happens. I get anxiety. I'm raising my hand. I get anxiety. And so I I literally just cast it on him. Why do I cast it on him? Because I know he cares for me. So I'm not like, God, please. It's just just, I cast my cares on you because, Lord, I just received the peace of your word, the peace that you say you love me, you've called me. First Peter, let's see, no, First Corinthians 2, 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things, of, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Man, I speak that over my life. God, there's no eye has seen, no ear has heard what you have in store for me, what you've prepared for me. No one's even seen it. No one's even heard it. Almost done here. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all, say all, all your needs according to the riches of his, say his, his glory in Christ Jesus. He shall supply all your needs according to his riches. It's not according to man's riches. It's not according to, you know, your riches or your neighbor's riches or, you know, whoever you look to. It's not according to their riches. It's according to his riches. Psalm 7, 14 through 17, look how the wicked, this is one I've been clinging to lately. I think it'll encourage you. Look how the wicked conceive their evil schemes. They go into labor with their lies and give birth to trouble. They dig a pit for others to fall into, knowing that they will be the very ones who will fall into it. Every pit digger who works to trap and harm others will be trapped by his own treachery. But I will give thanks to you, Yahweh, for you make everything right in the end. I will sing my highest praise to the God of the highest place. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I am righteous, not because of things I've done, but because of everything he did. You are made righteous. The Amplified, which goes to 11, he made Christ who knew no sin to be uh, judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in the right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Finally, it's time to choose. You got to choose. Joshua 24, 15. But if it is unpleasing in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers whether the gods your father served before the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you got to declare that over your home. Take your stand, people of God. In these days, take your stand. You can believe your truth. You can believe all these things you say is truth. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to speak it over this house today. As for me and Destiny City Church, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.